<laughs> ah, you know, uh, what can I say? Thank God. The man's at the right place at the right time. It would have been fairly catastrophic had I done the entire show on the company's YouTube site. I'm not talking about my company. Not a minute away. Um, but uh, I was making a point. Of, I will reiterate the point after Bob Riley sinks in. For those of you who don't know what the hell I'm talking about, we had a false start. We started B99. I know the channel first. But let's have Stigmata play us in. It is! Late night. The butthole tight. This is the UD Nancy Robinson show. Stop it. I'm enjoying a cup of chai. That's my chai. Green tea, a wonderful wife made me in a, uh, my holiday gifted grandpa cup. For those of you who figured it out, there was no screen. What happened to the screen, Mr. Robinson? There was a V99 that's screwy. I'm going to delete it after the show's over. So uh, I don't know what to tell you. Because I don't want it on my work, uh, on, my, on my good job server. But it doesn't matter. The, the mistakes were made. <laughs> mistakes were made. You were a V. A 9. A 9. With your host, Eugene S. Robinson, and we're going to let Bob Riley from Stigmata, I'm City New York resident, sing us in. The song is called Cinco, All of Nothing, our bumper music 2007. Record called Calling of the Just. Still available from Revelation Records, playing up in California, where they hit the car with a hammer and shoot the death of the nightclub. Let Bob sing us in with the words just about to say it all. But I could not see so clear. Real good look. I'll take a real good look. So being paid back and for always nothing. All right, all right. So there. Look, mistakes were made. Those of you who don't know, that was a, a famous. Uh, oh, June is asking me. Uh, she says she's been having internet issues all weekend. It's out again tonight. They're assuring me it'll be resolved during the night. My current plan is to let you and Bloody Elbow and MMA Mania all know that I will do all of tonight's work first thing in the morning, assuming I am up and roaming, running. If not, I'll grab the laptop, head to the library, and use your internet, I guess. Anyway, my show stomper work will be published tomorrow for sure. Sorry for the delay. Have a good night. I'll just say thanks. Um, and uh, um, oops, thanks. I sent the dollar sign. Um, so that's cool. And yeah, man, we used to do this all the time and knuckle up, have all these major, major screw ups. But anyway, this is, it's on the Eugene S. Robinson Show Stomper channel, YouTube channel. You guys figured it out. Roma Raider, uh, uh, the one who gifted us this table at the laptop is on, which you cannot see the light that is shining on my face, as well as a little, what was the name of that little dog we had? The one that we used to dye pink, little snowball. The one who died, little snowballs. He's the one who bought the blue ball. So you got him to think, and he's the one who caught the show was on the wrong channel. So uh, I, I thank him for keeping me employed yet another day. And he's got a great, um, anyway. Um, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, he's got a great, he's got a great uh, uh, true story that we published. As do several of you at this point published at, 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 uh, at my daily employee. Anyway, so I was going on, I opened the other show talking about the theory of degradation of fashion, which is a derivation of, Albert Speer, the famous Nazi's uh, uh, theory of ruin, which he stole from somebody else. And the idea was that, okay, buildings in their decline should look as good as they were when they were first created, a la the ruins in, in ancient Rome, which was a major empire, a uh, little precognition there on the part of the early Nazis that their thousand year Reich would probably see some sort of decline. That's not what I was talking about. What I was, yeah, I got there early with the Nazi reference. What I was talking about was what happened in fashion. Now, I used to work in the fashion industry. Well, <laughs> I used to be a model, but then I used to work, deliver food. I used to be a, 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 a 
delivery boy for a fast health food restaurant called Dennis's, Fast and Natural. Uh, it was 18th Street, Fifth Avenue in New York. And so all the fashion places they would call up and I would deliver food if it was slow. Otherwise, it'd be at the cash or just a, 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 a it, you know, batting back, uh, ineffectively batting back uh, uh, passes from all and sundry as a 15, 16 year old. But anyway, I loved working because I love money, which is still the case. So um, don't really like the jobs, but I do love the money. So they would call me in and I would see these impossibly beautiful people wearing clothes that, that the geniuses created. Like these were godlike clothes. They were never very happy, the people that were the very super attractive godlike people were putting these clothes on. You know, I mean, knowing what I know about the industry, they probably had lots of reasons to be unhappy, but they, they were like otherworldly. And then I would watch these clothes as they filtered out on the Fifth Avenue, you know, and you would see them in fashionable neighborhoods actually being sported. And then these clothes would probably make it into men's fashion mag or fashion magazines that I used to read, like uh, I used to read GQ and so on. And you'd see that you, and this, you know, you're talking about me at 15, right? So, um, and, and you'd say, oh man, this, this shit looks great. But then eventually they would end up in uh, uh, Saks Fifth Avenue, they would end up in uh, 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 Bloomingdale's. They would end up, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, Tiffany's. They would end up in nice places. And then you would see them kind of make their way to Macy's. And then you would start seeing them on the subway. And then like the Onion cartoon, the Onion had this uh, article that said, you can tell I am rich by my T-shirt. And this kid was wearing, you know, clearly, you know, some young kids wearing a Gucci shirt. Like this is somehow status conferral. So a Abraham Maslow created this, this pyramid of basic needs, right? Maslow, M-A-S-L-O-W. This pyramid of basic needs. I'm going to take that idea and take it to the theory of degradation of fashion. So at the top, you have these geniuses that are, you know, based on a platonic triad of the true, the beautiful, and the good, are pulling shit out of the air to design impossibly beautiful clothes for impossibly beautiful people, right? At the top, all right? They have to have an investment to make this stuff, but the birth of it comes like Zeus pops out of their heads, right? And then as they move down the pyramid and, you know, the few people at the top fashion designers, people in a know start to wear this stuff in the streets and people see it and they, and, and they see it and they go, oh my God, that's, and as we move down, the least significant is the one that, the ones that keep in the pyramid, the ones that keep it all afloat. The hoi polloi, the rabble, the people who are 60 pounds overweight and thinking that T-shirts that look good on models that weigh less than the amount that they're overweight will also look good on them. But, you know, fundamentally, I'm not giving those people a hard time because what the fuck do they care? If I could touch a little bit of the good, true and the beautiful, you know, if I could own a little bit of sexy myself, why wouldn't I? And nowadays it would be back then it would be Macy's. Nowadays it would be Target. I'm not giving them a hard time. What I'm saying is that the people with the least amount of sway down here at the bottom, you know, um, are also responsible for the greatest amount of churn. They pour the most amount of money in. They consume like crazy, like EPMD said, they're consumers. And when the when the gods at top see that this stuff has reached saturation point, and if you don't think that they're looking, they are indeed looking. Because at one point, I couldn't get a red shirt. I wanted a red button-down shirt. Not salmon. Not a, I wanted blood red. I couldn't find it. I talked to a fashion designer, uh, somebody at Jane Barnes. Actually, Jane Barnes at Jane Barnes. And she said, you don't understand how this works. This is a statistics-driven business. And we have come to the conclusion that red shirts are out. I'm not going to have all this money spent behind a red shirt when red, interest in red shirts has dropped 17% from year to year. I'm like, oh, shit, they really do this. Of course they really do it. You think that stuff appears in the store by accident? So um, so, so I know this. everything is paid attention to. These people keep trying. And when the sales start to dip on the bottom end, in other words, not enough poor folks are looking and going, I could get a piece of the dream if I buy that. It's out. 
and the, and the geniuses at top come up with something else. I say that because it's a life in, in wherein we see the life cycle of a shirt or a fashion style and all that shit you see that's crazy that like little Nas X was wearing at the Grammys, all that stuff, you got to understand nobody wears that stuff in real life except for the gods that design it, that first tier of celebrities, and it's not done to really wear, it's done to get you focused on what you're wearing. Keep stick with me here because I'm talking about fundamentally sex appeal. So if 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 the closest you can get is that Gucci T-shirt, then you will get that Gucci T-shirt. Because in the world in which you, you live, I'm sorry for those of you who just listened to this on radio. I've made a pyramid of my fingers and I'm rotating my thumbs at the bottom at the base. Where the turn, where the churn is, the mighty engine of change, the people. Now, I, 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 I told somebody at some point. Have you ever convinced someone that you were sexy by telling them that you're sexy? It's a kind of self-reflection, a very public, public form of self-reflection, that only comedically does it work. I've used it. So do you don't really, did you, I invented sexy. It was big in Europe. It was big in Europe in the fifties, but I was the one who brought it over here in 1962. And the people go, oh, you're so funny. Well, I may be joking. Maybe, maybe not, but it's an entertaining idea. So in the end, what happens is the people down here end up with closets full of members-only jackets, bell-bottoms, earth shoes, Jordash jeans, sorry, I got to update, OP shorts, I, I, wrong way, I'm going back in time, got to move forward, baggy jeans, distressed jeans, all the shit that you have in your closet now, construction boots, beards, Tribal tattoos with the bell bottoms of the of the nineties. Everything churns. We're in a or or rather we're in a, in a cultural musical chairs where the music stops and you're the one left with a Jordash pair of Jordash jeans that fills a bin and goes somewhere. The whole system is based on churn. So I don't think anybody successfully convinced anybody else that they were sexy by telling them that they're sexy. But you'll see repeated patterns. <laughs> you'll see repeated patterns in, in, in fashion, which is image projection, which is the kind of witchcraft that controls our lives. And you'll see patterns. So whether we're talking about politics or whether we're talking about sports, When we were talking about fashion, you'll see the same pieces of music come up again and again. Now we have a, a Me Too thing happening. And, and I got to tell you, I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it. I have to tell you something. I could feel there's a great song by Masters of Reality. And the song goes, the eyes of Texas are upon you. That's the chorus of the song. He sings, the eyes of Texas are upon you. And I, and I felt the eyes, the eyes of McNuggets and Nut Jumpers upon me. In connection to what, Mr. Robinson, what specifically are you talking about? What specifically I'm talking about is this. Uh, let me pull it up right now. I don't know if this is true. I talked to John Nash about it this morning, my Hollywood connection, not one of my major spies in Hollywood. Yeah, Chris Goss, fantastic. And it's been, for musicians, it's been a tough week. Two guys I know died. Josh Papp from DRI, who he, he and I did some, strangely enough, uh, uh, we never played with DRI, I don't believe. I think we did maybe once. 
uh, in 87 or 88. But we were on some TV, ended up on some weird TV show together. I'm like looking at him. He's looking at me. What are you doing here? I said, oh, I don't know. They called me. So he was there. Um, Reed Mullen, who they keep listing as the founder, of, founding founding member of uh, Corrosion of Conformity, COC, and he died. I, there was a black guy drumming before Reed. What I guess they, they, they John, John, uh, John uh, McCain was actually his name. When, when they played with us, another band, you know, the guys from Soundgarden, Rody, used to roadie for us, and, and COC used to open for us. He's dead. Neil Peart died. So we have two drummers, one bass player, and Andy Gill from Gang of Four died, guitar player. So let's hope that singers can pull out, make it through the rest of this week. Anyway, um, somebody sent this to me, and uh, and John and I talked about it today because I'm trying to I'm trying to check my sources. I'm just going to share it with you as a uh, uh, um, let's just uh, we're just we're just thinking we're just thinking about it. We're not making a claim that it's so, but let's just say. That would be journalistically, uh, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Uh, irresponsible. But let's just say I'm repeating something that I'm reading here. Yeah, Andy Gill is fucking dead. Sorry about the language. Okay, here's the audio where Amber Heard, former Mrs. Johnny Depp, mocks Johnny Depp for calling for help while she was abusing him. She then loses her temper and fully admits to abusing him, but proceeds to shame him again. John Nash had a little bit more information and said that apparently part of this this information came out included her almost cutting his finger off as well as um, as well as uh, her and her uh, somebody got an audio tape of her and her attorney using this to ride the me too wave okay. Um, yeah, Gang of Four meant a lot to me, man. Meant a lot to me. Largely one of the reasons I ended up doing music. I saw them at the Peppermint Lounge in New York in 1978. Probably one of the best bands I'd ever seen. Saw them recently on tour in, in November. Very disappointing because it was just Andy Gill. I loved Andy Gill, but that was Gang of One. No, I don't know what Stanhope wrote about the Depp Hurt thing, but I want to, I want to, so there are a couple of things. On the face of it, there's just the animal activity, right? We all remember Warren Moon, that football player. I remember the great story, the quarterback, of his wife was beating the hell out of him, knocking him down, you know, hit him with something. And he reached up and he pushed her. He had not hit – she hit him with a trophy and he fell and she reached. he reached up and pushed her. And at that point, it had suddenly become domestic abuse. So I don't know why this tape is coming out now. I don't know if it's a deep fake. I don't know what, what uh, the reason is. But the eyes of Texas are upon me on this one, insofar in so as it might relate to Conor McGregor, McNuggets, McRapist. And a lot of people who are pushing for due process, something they picked up from TV, are letting it play out are innocent until proven guilty, are pointing to um, the what if proposition, uh, uh, propositional issue, which has kept me from doing terrible things when I was eight years old and really believed in reincarnation and thought if I drank a bunch of Drano and died, I would immediately be reborn. And we've talked about this on past shows. I, I, actually, I wasn't eight. I must have been about seven. And I poured this concoction in the sink and sat in the bathroom. And I was like, what if I'm wrong? What if I'm wrong? What if? And then I knew whether I was wrong or not, the mere presence of doubt created a lacuna, a gap, a hole in my system. Whereas 100% belief can get you lots of places. I'm not saying that McNuggets was set up. That's not you, you, you're jumping ahead of the story. I'm just saying what I think I what I you gotta you gotta wait for this, that the eyes of Texas were upon me, that 
I had to bring it up. I had to do the show on this. I mean, there was a 49ers game against Kansas City. I don't give a fuck about that. You wanted to know where I was tonight. I, I told you at the beginning of the other show uh, what my day was like, and I'll repeat it here because that'll be deleted after the show is over. But I went to jujitsu at 11, followed it up uh, at noon. Orlando, unpronounceable Brazilian last name. He is one of he's in the top 10 of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belts in his weight class. Came and did a seminar from 12, opened up with a little stretching, did three major drills, and then we rolled for the entire rest of the time. Didn't get out of there until 2.30. So I, fundamentally, I did jiu-jitsu from uh, 11 to 2.30 with guys who were trying to kill me. That vice will come into it. And then I went running because I got to lose some weight because uh, my, one of my side projects, Low House, if you go to Facebook right now, you can uh, like the Low House page, L-O-L-O-W, a house. We go do a few shows in Europe uh, end, end of March, early April. So I got to lose some weight. I got to get in shape. got to do some cardio. So I'm running, sprinting uphill, jumping rope. And then I, I got there's a place I should be kept away from. Ace Hardware, go to Ace Hardware, buy a bunch of plants, get home, find out from the wife, oh, we got to go to this place, Devour. It's at this place called Great Northern. They do a show, a, a, a flux vertical theater. It was a, a pole show. Celebration of Black History Month. All black cast today, which is a big surprise for me. Very cool. There goes some cat there, big bushy beard, about six foot two, about 250 pounds, fucking pole dancer. It's actually phenomenal. <laughs> Doesn't sound like, you know, there's always that thing, like that Bill Burr moment where the guy comes out, you're like, deal with this now. But he was actually really good. So that's why the show is late. Wasn't watching a football game. Don't give a shit. So, so the eyes of Texas are upon me. I figure I gotta go into the sexual politic issue. Because there's always the what if in any scenario, and the and the nut jumpers. That's all they were pleading for. That's all they wanted out of me. They wanted me to entertain the what if. But I'm telling you why I don't do it for McNuggets. Now, I always told myself, if I was ever accused of anything terrible that I didn't do, that I would never defend myself. It's pointless. You know? Eugene, did you fuck that? Did you did you did you uh, fuck that sheep? I didn't fuck that sheep. You know, when you say stuff like that, all people hear are fuck and sheep. Okay, don't ever. It just I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dignify it with a response. Sorry, I'm not gonna respond. Which is in a weird parallel way what McNuggets has done. It's not. I'm not gonna defend myself. Whatever you guys do, whatever you want. So Amber Heard, Johnny Depp's second wife, a third wife, I can't remember. I'm not a huge Johnny Depp fan. Gets divorced. The tape, according to John Nash, is her and her lawyer cooking this up to make this part of some Me Too scheme. Now, let's dig down a little, a little, a little bit more deeply here. As part of his divorce thing, he gave her a shit ton of money. Not only was he ripped off by his financial advisor because he's off getting high and drinking, as he is wont to do, buying islands and doing basically being socially irresponsible with his money. So she gets a whole tranche of that. He doesn't have a prenup. And then she sues him for this other stuff in court, gets $10 million. But because the narrative gets advanced that she's a money grubber, she goes, I'm going to dedicate this money to a charity, a Me Too charity for abused women. Okay, so money wasn't what she did it for. We talked about this on the Care Don't Care preview today in regards to famous people and, and their non-famous spouses. I said, do you remember Bruce Springsteen's wife? And, and Steph goes, oh, Patty Scalpa. I go, no, that wasn't his first wife. His first wife was a middling actress. She married Bruce Springsteen and started giving him some hoo-ha about his career after they'd been together about three or four years. And he was like, well, maybe we should have a kid now. She's like, I want my career to be like, and he was like, so they ended up getting divorced. The career went so well that I can't remember her name now. And that nobody knows her name now. So what does Amber Heard want? Does she want money? No, she gave it away. She already had her own money. 
This was naked, raw careerism. So in the aftermath, evil behavior was a cloak for naked interest in self-advancement. When you consider that most women in Hollywood, their careers are over by the time they're 50, it made sense. She was battling a clock. And before she rode that pyramid down to the bottom, had to do something. So why for Mr. Robertson? Why you didn't believe Mr. Depp, but you don't be? Well, I have been accused. I wrote it for Ozzy.com, O-Z-Y.com. I wrote it. I wrote it up. That woman that I used to date trying to impress a writer from Saturday Night Live after she moved to New York, who knew me. So last time I saw Eugene, she may have used the word practically or not. He raped me. Maybe she used the word practically. She had told me this about another guy. Not using the word probably. So... Uh, he tells a friend of mine, my friend tells me, I call her and go, why am I getting calls from New York saying that? And so I write the whole article about it, including, since that was in 1985, including the re-interview that I did with her when I wrote the article in 2018. She said, I didn't say that. I go, yes, you did. You know, she goes, well, I, so I interview the guy that she talked to who doesn't even remember her. And then she sent me pages from her diary from back in 1985, during which she says, she says, doesn't say anything about rape at all. She said she was disgusted with me as a human being because I liked her too much. <laughs> when she sent that to me in, in 2018, she said, look, I've been in therapy for a long time. I really fucked up. Okay, that's it. I didn't defend myself publicly against it. I didn't call a guy back and try to say, hey, I didn't, I didn't say anything. I didn't try to undo any social public damage that I had incurred. Didn't publicly defend myself. I did go back to the source and go, in other words, Kibono, who, who benefits from this? Oh, I see. You increase yourself to why people tell lies. Avoid punishment. Uh, secure, secure gain. And there's a third thing I can never remember what it is. She was trying to start hanging out with the people from, yes, correct, from self-loathing projected under me. She was trying to, of course, when we had a, we re-got re, re together after this. But of course, like the, the Blake poem about the, the beast slouching towards Jerusalem, of course, she got back together with a very different Eugene, who, guess what, didn't like her at all. <laughs> And she was fundamentally happier with that relationship. That's not what I'm here to talk about. <laughs> so I didn't defend myself. I went back and addressed the source. You know, I'm not don't have enough of a public profile. So this is what was of wide interest to anybody else. But how is this different from McNuggets? How is Johnny Depp? Why do I extend what if to 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 Johnny Depp? And I'll tell you a very a very simple story. We were, Oxbow was on tour and we're in, in the Netherlands. We're in Amsterdam specifically. And the drummer, uh, uh, this, uh, his name was Tom. Uh, we had two drummers to begin with. And then the first ex portion of Oxbow's life, we had Tom and then we had uh, Greg. And Tom was at the end of the tour, was getting sort of disgusted with the, the touring problems. You know, not touring problems, but just, you know, touring. It's a lot of clothes. I'm going to go walking off. But we'd all divvied up the money and, and forth. So a noble single person could scuttle it if they love. I wanted to get mugged with 25% of my money, so I followed. So we're walking, and this, you know, a door opens, and some we're talking on the sidewalk in Amsterdam, and the door opens, and this kind of a possibly be physically beautiful woman walks out of this building, and he's noticing. I'm not really noticing because I'm trying to keep my band, you know, working, which I did. And uh, he goes, and he's talking. He's kind of like looking at her, come out, and the door opens again, and he's like, who's that? And then after about the eighth woman, he goes, what the fuck is, it turns out we were standing by some like modeling school or something. Right? So this ties in, you see these, these cycles through the show. 
what the fuck? And he realizes that something is happening. So you look for that something happening with Johnny Depp. You look at Winona Ryder. You look at the French, the Veronica, the French brother that he went out with. You look at, you look at like what reasonable people look at when they're trying to make a determination. You look for a history. Doesn't seem to be a history. O.J. Simpson, we look at the history, seems to be a history. Police were always over at the house. And I don't mean to put a history of the police after him. I believe a history of the police aiding and abetting his depredations on the women he was with. O.J.'s bouncing her heads off the wall again. Let's go out there. Maybe we can get an autograph. Maybe we can get her out of there. Set him up. Yeah. Set up. There was a history. There was patterns. People... When you have patterns and cycles, these things go together. In my case, the woman who in the article I called Nettie, she said, if you use my real name, I will sue you. <laughs> well, she's broke, so that's not possible, but okay. <laughs> you look before that. Like, you know, they have these whisper campaigns about you know, different people and all like Tom Cruise being being gay, you know, which I don't give a shit whether he's gay or not. It doesn't make to me, like I said before, if somebody calls me gay, it's like saying you're Chinese. Okay. You're talking about a physical state of being where I'm not and don't, but I'm not it's not it's not pejorative. So you look at Eugene's history. Can you find anybody to corroborate that, that Eugene is, is a rapey individual. You won't be able to find that. Certainly you would have been able to find it by now. Or homosexual activity, <laughs> as the case may be. There, there are people I know who um, are concerned, who are closeted because they're concerned, um, who are tough guys, media tough guys who are closeted because they're concerned well, now they're healthily saying, hey, what I do, what I do is none of your business. That I can accept. But they were closeted because they thought that the, the audience of uh, uh, the, uh, uh, you know, the men between 18 and, and 40 would never accept them. Oh, really? Let's talk to Rob Halford. Give a shit that Rob Halford was gay. Or that Freddie Mercury was gay. We love the music. Didn't care. The hiding, lying, unnecessary. But anyway, I'm getting off topic. The point is, there were patterns. In regards to McNuggets, in regards to McNuggets, what do we see? We see the benign dancing on a table in Ibiza. Uh, uh, yeah, I know. But it works the same way. It, it works the same way, too. I had a friend who lost three girlfriends to, to other women. And we used to joke with him, ah, you know, you, that, that was so bad. There's something else was going on. It wasn't messed up by it, but. Okay. So there's the benign dancing on the table in the Ibiza with a cardboard cut out, cardboard cut out of your face on your face. Pretty benign, and then then there's then there's a malignant grabbing chicks coochies in the, you know trying to kidnap them, beating and rape allegations. Like I said, when that friend of mine came in and told me that another friend of ours had tried to rape her right before we almost beat him to death. I said, out of all the things that she could have said tonight when she walked in here, why would she have said that? And that's when we went to check out, find the guy and ask him that question. So, so you have two things, you have two things going on. You have the what if scenario. What if we're wrong? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, I think the Rando chick was the one that the, uh, claim that he was the father of the kid. What if? What if? 
So the next part portion of that Eyes of Texas thing, the next portion of that was like, Eugene, you're rushing to judgment on this guy. You know, you wouldn't like it if it happened to you. And you, I'm looking at the history. But still, there's a what if. What if? What if we're wrong? Well, let's look around us. Has the organization that sanctions these, these engagements, have they shown a strong backbone in regards to any Me Too times up issues at all? Vis-a-vis Greg Hardy. And that there's no what if with Greg Hardy. That's why he's not in the NFL anymore. That's why another major sports organization said, we can't have you here. We're a family company. We got kids who come to the games. We do not want to advance the fortunes of a guy who bounces his wife's head off the wall. We do not. We don't. So if we're looking to, for some kind of judicial arbiter in the form of the, the bald one or the UFSI, and we look to them and say, well, clearly um, there's a guy who's guilty here. They've had a few. People are talking about uh, Rumble coming back. Documented. So guilty or innocent, clearly the sanctioning or- organization doesn't care. So they are not an honest broker in terms of us coming to a determination of on the what if question in regards to in regards to McNuggets. So who who do we turn to? Do we turn to the MMA media? Are you kidding me? Are you uh, like to quote John McEnroe? You have got to be kidding me. The last thing at this point I'm interested in doing, I should show you all the credentials I have. Maybe I'll, if you somebody reminds me, somebody with my phone number, text me tomorrow before six. Uh, I'll grab them all and I'll show them in the next show all the credentials I have. Yeah. Oh, bro, where you been? Just type his name in. DV, why do you think he left Kung Lee's team? Just type it in. I, maybe I made it up. You don't know. What do they say? Being a journalist is when your mother says she loves you, getting a second opinion. I got a bad vibe from the guy from the beginning. We used to train together, by which I mean in the same place. Never spoke to him. Wouldn't talk to me. So, oopsie, bald one, not honors brokers. Uh, and you, if you read the accounts of Gina Carano, where she said, I think you sent me a text meant for somebody else. He goes, no, I meant it for you. I told a guy I used to work for once, one adult male. I said, you talk to me the way no other man who's still conscious has ever talked to me. In other words, I was grandfather clausing in the way he had talked to me. I said, but that stops. Stops. I don't give a shit what I've done. It stops now. Yes, correct. Yep, yep. No, he was much freakishly much bigger now. Then people were tweeting out, and I was retweeting pictures of him. Now he's on the straight and narrow, was doing some kind of pro-social thing, and he's lost a bunch of weight, I think, preparatory to him returning. But I don't. he doesn't seem like he's even light heavy anymore. But it was ridiculous because he couldn't make the other weight. So maybe it probably is light heavy. Don't know. So we got a what-if scenario, but I'm – for those of you who don't think the eyes of Texas, who don't think that I was looking at this thing objectively, Warren Moon, when he's getting his head put out by his wife and then pushes her to rescue himself, and then it becomes domestic abuse, I'm saying, what if? Depp, who's got this tape where she's laughing at him, almost cut his finger off, and got, according to John Nash, something where they're cooking up some scheme to capitalize on Me Too to fuck Johnny Depp. Okay, I got it. Who 
stands with McNuggets outside of cats on the internet, except there's a one guy, uh, David, who now I've become kind of friendly with in Dublin. who's like, ah, you're, 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 you're a piece of shit. You know, a lot of my good internet friendships start with initial hatred, right? You go, ah, fuck you, ah, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. And, you know, then things kind of, kind of mellow out. And he's got a vested interest. He's got to live in a town with a guy. I understand that. I understand that. But um, you got to think of it like a cop. There's motive, there's opportunity, you know, there's motive, opportunity, interest, and there's history. Like Dirty Harry says when they ask him if the guy Scorpio hit the uh, Don Siegel's take on the Zodiac Killer, if he's going to do it again. And Clint Eastwood goes, yeah, he's going to do it again. How do you know? He likes it. That was my really bad Clint Eastwood. Uh, I can do a better one, but I, I'm... I'm trying to advance the story here. Now, people go, you know, I'm looking at the at the cocaine. Just because you do a cocaine doesn't mean no, no, none of these things. Somebody was telling me about steroids. It would make you no, no. It's just like when you you give a bottle of beer to a fucking fourteen year old. Like, ah, I'm so drunk, and they start acting out in ways that they've seen come down from the mountaintop that the geniuses that create media, that create clothing, that create all of the images that 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 that, that kind of drive how, like I, some of you guys are familiar with me, where people are doing like, oh, LOL. So that's internet talk. And I don't know what you mean. Oh, you snowflake. It's internet talk. By which I mean, if I take the internet away from you for a week, nobody even knows what you're talking about. Somebody had to do I had to ask Kid Nate, Stans, what are you talking about, Stan? What does that mean? It's, don't you know it's the Eminem song from the 90s? People, are, the only way that became a, like a meme is because of the internet. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but they're not honest brokers. The bald one, ESPN, now, I got I to gotta look at them. They've got a big $5 billion investment. Now, in case you don't know, Maybe you don't watch if the shoes if the shoes fit, but last week Alexi went public with what happened if I did it, and he wrote a true story for 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 Ozzy where he talks about his family and he goes his family motto was um, uh, you take what I give you, which <laughs> is a weird family motto, and he and he so he very cogently spelled it out you know about how the the Oofsi, over the course of time have performed with lesser regard for both the viewing audience as well as the people, their human resource. And he's like, you know, this was like a, a Jacques moment where he was like, you know, you take what I give you? No, no, I refuse what you give me. The bald one, I'm not an honest broker. Got that. ESPN is a major corporate interest that's struggling for significance or that's which is what corporate interests do. They try to maintain those. Why are they in the bag? And I'm sure I got Kid Not Day and my drummer in my head saying, it's the money, or DJ Shadow, it's the money. Now, we were talking on Care Don't Care about Colin Kaepernick and saying, look, they gave him $30 million, essentially fuck off money. So what's more important to him, the symbolic impact of having him play or they, they said, no, we're, we don't, we don't, I mean, this is the great thing about, about capitalism, sort of. Yeah, he said maybe, maybe, maybe he'll reintroduce it if there's a special occasion or a special show or if he feels that there's a good turn. But he, he said, we don't have credentials. We could commentate on this. But it was like, it was like, we're going to, it was like doing a show on, on, on child pornography on the on the pro side he was feeling dirtier and more disgusting that's why we lost kid nate miss tech said it best about me she goes eugene loves to fight he'll just keep doing the show forever naked greed that's what my drummer tells me that's what kid nate tells me i never want to believe it but that's always the case. So that's where if I did it went. 
for those of you who don't know. You can watch his mission statement on the last uh, last week's uh, If the Shoes Fit. That's what he said. That's pretty much exactly what he said. Free PR for the UFC with no upside for us. Of the shows we all did, that was a show. I didn't even do any commercials for this show because you guys really showed up. Uh, you really showed up for December. I haven't checked the figures for January in terms of Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash the stomper or Pinko, P-I-N-K-O 95014 at yahoo.com. You've, you've given enough to keep the show going this show. So, but if if I did it, there was that was the least profitable of the shows. We actually have been approached by serious people, production people, to turn it into a bigger show. Not that one, if the shoes fit. And interestingly enough, we started to get outside interest and the money started to come in. It's cool. Alexi's going to use it. We're going to put together a script and some, hey, we're going to actually maybe try to turn it into a TV show for real. So that's why he's out. And I tell you, I did the first care don't care in a long time. I refused to acknowledge the existence of whatever it was UFC 246. And then the post facto, I refused to talk about. So I haven't done care don't care for six weeks. And like last week when I was talking about the tuna fish sandwiches, suddenly you just forget. You forget that you ever loved the tuna fish sandwich. You forget. I'm training jujitsu every day. It's a fundamentally different thing. Hey, one of my teammates said this about me. You'll love this. Because uh, Ashton Kutcher got his brown belt. And I was ranting about Ashton Kutcher being a shitty, uh, uh, a shitty brown belt. And then he showed it to, uh, apparently uh, he was discussing it with another teammate. And, and they said, and my one teammate was full, and they showed it to me today, and I read this to the entire class, and uh, and it was about Ashton Kutcher, and I'm going to read it to you right right now. And he says, saw this earlier last week, and no, it's about Ashton Kutcher. He's, you know, well, he got his belt from Hegan, is that right? However, to this, in Hegan's defense, we can't categorize him as a competitive jiu-jitsu practitioner, Eugene being the perfect example. He does not demonstrate the technical ability or knowledge of a brown belt. <laughs> However, because of time spent on the mats and dedication, he has received belts. <laughs> yeah, we each have individual journeys in jujitsu, and I'm not in the position to judge someone else's. This is a guy who's been a blue belt for five years. Additionally, jujitsu encompasses more than jujitsu. If I've learned anything from Sarau is that jiu-jitsu is a way of life and his criteria for promotion is not only for growth in your jiu-jitsu, but also personal growth. <laughs> so I'm getting a brown belt because it's like an attendance medal, according to five-year blue belt. <laughs> now, let me, let me explain something to you. This guy is... Uh, I like this kid. He's a young kid. I've known him since he was 16. And um, he's an illegal alien. And uh, I've really been pulling for him. And I still am. But you see what's happening with the slave mentality? The guy is a phenomenal jujitsu player. He's really fucking good. All right? But Sarau has retarded his progress, kept him a blue belt for five years. Instead of focusing on the fact that he's really fucking phenomenally good and that there, there's something else happening about why Sorrell denies him advancement, he's focused on the fact that an average jiu-jitsu player, which is me, is horrible. So not that he's up here in the rarefied air of the God-touched genius at the top of that pyramid but that I'm down here because he has no sense at all of where he is. I've been competing since when this kid, before he had discovered his penis, got a closet full of medals. And keep in mind, if nobody shows up, 
Yeah, that I'd like to do. If nobody shows up, I put those medals in the drawer. The only ones I put on the wall are the ones where I beat people. Big guy jujitsu, unless you're Gordon Craig, never looks pretty. Or Robert Abre or Roberto Abreu, never looks pretty. Never does. Pressure, weight, not flexible enough to do all the spinning. Ah, don't do that. It's ugly. But the point is, the point is that these thing, issues of character bound. And so I look at I look at McNuggets, EJ, yeah, EJ, EJ. So I remember there was a point at which I couldn't mess with him where I really, uh, he was getting good. But he has no sense of how that. And he will never, never, ever advance until he realizes where he's going. How come I haven't gotten there? Haven't gotten where? Well, you know, there. Where's there? To close out McNuggets. To close out McNuggets. The history is an indication. All signs are, are anytime you want to ask what if about that guy, all signs are pointing to. Don't tell me about the woman who charged him with paternity test, and then and then then it turns out the kid wasn't his. That was consensual sexual activity. In Amber Heard's case, she clearly didn't want money. What did she want? Money is not always the answer to everything which is why it's so confusing when I deal with the bald one and the Ufsi and the Espen. Because it seems like it, but I don't believe it is. I believe like uh, like uh, Dave Chappelle, these guys are like, you don't tell me about the mechanics of, of making people laugh. That's my job. I don't come in and slap the penis out of your mouth where you work. You don't come in and tell me, I got it. I got it, what you mean. But in this instance, it's about more than that. It's about more than putting stakes in the ground. Greg Hardy, who's got another fight coming up, it's about more than that. The guy who Greg Hardy beat last time is uh, the Johnny Boney Joni fight that's coming up next weekend. The Johnny Boney Joni fight that's coming up next weekend. That guy, there's there's the main, the co-main. He's fighting on the third fight from the top. Dispensations as yet, uh, 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 what is it? Say? Uh, future events as yet unknown. Dispensations to be paid at a date unknown. Apparently, being paid. How does that benefit? Who benefits? Key bono. So the damage is already done in the McNuggets case. So that it's not what if we're wrong. The issue for the UFSI and, 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 the, and, and the rollers of big cigars is what if he's out? What if Cerrone beats him? And wasn't somebody threatening me on Twitter about, <laughs> about talking smack about Cerrone taking a dive? What are you going to do? You're going to show up at the Sorrell Academy and beat me up? I will gladly come to wherever you are and let you beat me up if you think that'll change my mind, but it won't. It will not. You can beat me all you want. Not going to make me think anything different. In fact, the more you beat me, the more I believe that I'm right. So maybe it's money. Maybe it's control. Maybe that what if is something that people ask all the time with routine interest in the outcome. What if Cerrone wins? What if McNuggets is out? What if he beats his case? What if he doesn't beat the case? I'm focused on the what if. I'm still bumping around with Perry Mason and Colombo. What if? What if he's right? So I understand you're nut jumpers who have been like, Eugene, you got to. I got you. You just didn't like that you didn't hear me say it. So I said it. And the Johnny Depp, Amber Heard thing reminded me that I should probably publicly say it because I could feel the eyes of Texas upon me. It's like, you, you, you going to deal with this, Mr. Robinson? Or what? Okay, I've dealt with it. But you've got to understand 
when, when we are looking at this Maslow's pyramid, and he talks about the period, in, when Maslow talks about it, he's talking about the pyramid of basic needs. And I started talking about the pyramid of fashion. But what I'm more concerned about is the platonic triad at the top of it, the beautiful, the good, and the true, where, G, where we take the sense, uh, where the demiurge gives us uh, a, a sense world parceled out from these three God-given gifts. And we it, it sinks down to the bottom level where we live. In this instance, in this instance with 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 McNuggets, I have to I have to really question what's being jettisoned out into the sense world. We advance his fortunes. Is that beautiful? Is it good? Is it true? No, because our pyramid's now upside down, and we're in the land of the meretricious and things of no value except cash value. There's a record that Oxbow did called Songs for the French, and my wife, before she knew me, heard it and was terrified by it. And there's a line that I sing in it when I was in a really bad headspace, and I go, love is dead. Cash is king. And it felt disgusting to me to say it. It felt even more disgusting to believe it and feel it. And it was horrible having her quote it back to me at the point at which we were in love. <laughs> but I was big enough to say, ah, cash is king. I was big enough to say, ah, I was wrong in that instance. But now that Maslow's pyramid is upside down, <laughs> we are not calling the shots, right? <laughs> we're not calling the shots. The people at the smallest part of the pyramid are still calling the shots. But, I'm sorry to those of you who just listened to the audio, but I take this pyramid and I turn it upside down. <laughs> and there's a, there's a corollary to the beautiful, the true, and the good, the platonic triad. What's on the bottom portion of it? <laughs> I think you know where I'm going here without me having to go there. Oh, Yucatan, Yucatan Peninsula. Oh, congrats, man. Yeah, I also, I've done the show. I've done the show in France. I've done it in, in Copenhagen. I've done it uh, I've done it via the Riverside in Lyon. I've done it internationally. And I'll, I'll probably do it on, on this tour as well. I just have to remember to do it from my page and not from the work page. So those of you who saw the V99, they all realize I'm going to delete that. I got to get it off there. I don't want it on my work thing. I've got enough, you know, it's it's just it's just not I wouldn't do. I don't want to. So. So you have to I got you. I got you. I got you. I gave, I gave him the what if consideration. But I'm looking at all the usual suspects and I and I have to say that I I, I have to say that I, I'm still not buying it. For all of the reasons I just laid out. So excitingly, in the last two minutes of the show, I'm going to say I am geeked for February 7th for Johnny Boney Joni. If you want to know my picks on that fight, I only had five cares on that fight, like 10 card fight, I think it is. I only had five cares. That's 50%, not too bad. Only five. Made my picks on Care Don't Care, which comes out Monday. Tuesday night at 8 o'clock, we got uh, If the Shoes Fit. Sex column is up right now. If you follow me at Eugene S. Robinson on Twitter, I tweeted it out earlier. As well as some of the my, – if you haven't figured it out, um, you haven't figured out my uh, section on Ozzy True Stories – and the ones I'm really geeked about, I usually tweet out through my page. Yeah. Well, it won't surprise you to know that I said I think the smart money, which I'm happy to be part of at this fight, goes to uh, goes to uh, Johnny Boney Joni. Uh, Nash was hesitant because he thinks he's slowing down, but da da da. He said, "Look." You know, Johnny Bonjo's got 
took he said, let's compare Santos and Reyes. Johnny Boni Johnny took what Santos had to deliver. And Reyes is no Santos. So don't know. The guy's gonna fall, gonna fall someday, but I don't think this uh, February 7th will be the day. Anyway, that's the end of the show. It's late. You guys gotta go to sleep. I got stuff to do. Thank you for listening. Sorry about the confusion at the beginning. If you want to donate, I've already told you how. You don't need anything else from me. See you next week. Don't die. Look what you made me do. Ah!